0: with the North Valley Church of Christ. Open your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We're going to continue our study here in Titus. Again, uh, this chapter is called one of the gems of the entire New Testament. And in the first part of this chapter, Paul gives instructions to various groups in the church. He gave this reason for his directions so that Christians would adorn the doctrine of God. In the second part of the chapter, he gave the theological basis for this godly living. In this first half, the verses 1 through 10, which we are still in, we're dealing with the young men today, but it reminds us of what Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, where Paul told him how to relate to different age groups. Now here... In Titus, Paul detailed how people in each group should conduct themselves. The new converts had grown up in a culture of self-centeredness, lying, callousness, and so their biggest challenge was leading pure, godly, living uh, or loving Christian lives. <clears throat> now, why why was it important for different groups in the church? To live as they should. Well, Paul was concerned about the impact that their lives would make on others. Like in chapter 2, verse 5, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Verse 8, so that the opponent will be put to shame. And of course, verse 10, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. In every respect. So, I want to talk about that verse 10. We're not looking at that verse today. We're going to be looking at verses, uh, what is it, 6 and 7 and 8 there. But there in verse 10, is under the context of the bond slaves, but I really think that you can apply this to every one of us, to every group. Adorn. That comes from the word where we get the the term cosmetics. It means causing something to have an attractive appearance. We've seen that term before from 1 Timothy 2.9 where women were told to adorn themselves with proper clothing. It is also found in Revelation 21.2 where heaven is compared to a bride adorned for her husband. Here the challenge to adorn the doctrine was directed to slaves. Slaves were at the bottom of the social scale. Some of them must have felt less than worthless. But Paul told them, by being the best servant you can be, you can adorn the doctrine of God. You can make it attractive to all who know you. He wanted all Christians all of us to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, so that it may be attractive to everyone we come across. So let's get things started, starting up here at verses six, seven, and eight. Let's read. Um, mm, let's read verse six, and yeah, just verse six. Likewise, urge the young men. To be sensible. So this is Paul talking to Titus. He is to urge young men to be uh, sensible, and it starts off with that term, likewise. So what you've seen before, it continues on. For, same for the young men, uh, the young women. Same for the older women. Same for the older men. They all the things that we we saw for them. Same thing for the the young man, and whatever he's saying here for these young men. Same for them. Likewise, do the same thing. Urge these young men. What is a young man? What makes a man young? Well, we're going to look at that in just a moment. So, in all things can be linked with sensible. And that makes the requirement more comprehensive. The world tells us that young men need to do what? Sow their wild oats, right? Get it out of their system. But Paul said they need to be sensible. They need to be sensible. That's, that term means level-headed. They need to be exercising self-control. Paul is thinking of the control of temper and tongue and of ambition. And especially of bodily appetites, right? Including the sexual urges so that Christian young men remain committed to the unalterable Christian standard of chastity before marriage and fidelity after it. But man, don't don't we need to have our young people hear this today? They don't have it. As we pointed out, when you don't have someone raising and rearing their children at home, that would be the, the, the women. I'm not saying only women. Can men do it? Yes, they can. And they ought to be part of that. But Whether it's the father or the mother, it's both, really. But whoever stays at home with the kids, raise them. Don't be their best friend. That's not what they need. They need a mom and a dad. They need someone to set the rules and the standards and not allow them to cross that standard to do whatever they want. Children today, I'm not saying in general, I'm I'm, I'm seeing these groups, and I'm hoping it's not in general, but I'm seeing groups uh, of these young people with the, out of care in the world. Like we saw a few weeks ago in the news where a group of young people were walking down the streets, I think it was in New York or New Jersey, and it's on camera. They see this old man minding his own business. They pick up a construction cone, an orange construction cone, beat him to death with it. Why? They had no reason. They just wanted to. I'm serious. They wanted to. Is that exercising self-control? Is that level-headed? Would you call that being sensible? No. Why don't they have that? They've never been raised. And to, to be crass about it, they're stupid. Ignorant children. Because they didn't have the mom or a dad to teach them and to beat it out of them. When I say beat, I don't mean with your fists and beating your children. I'm talking about spanking their rear end. Spank them when they were children. They didn't get that. And now they just go about being unsensible. Yeah, that is a sticking point for me. Yes, it is. In fact, I have a a series on... uh, does God Love the Transgender? Uh, I, I had to break it up in a couple of parts. I did part one already. Part two is on its way for the radio program. It'll be there. But <clears throat> that I've got to be careful not to allow myself to lose self-control here because I get frustrated. It doesn't need to be this way. And it baffles my mind that so many people out there in this world do not see how needful this is to teach their children. And yet, It keeps going in that direction. It's unbelievable. But let's get back to our text. Okay, let's get back. Let's not get too far off uh, on a tangent here. So Paul's previous instruction over here to the young women was for those already married. His directive to young men was probably also intended for some who were married. Uh, A a particular commentator, uh, Bruce Barton, he uh, wrote this. If these young men were married and had children, then self control would be doubly important. Lack of this quality creates tyrants and abusers within families. All of the positive traits that a husband can contribute to a marriage self sacrifice, love, tenderness, compassion, listening all these things flow out of what? Self control. Self control. You know, that's another series I'm doing. It's on, um, am I doing it on Sunday morning? No, the Bible class, Sunday morning Bible class here at North Valley. We're going over the fruit of the Spirit. And do you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Can you say them? There's nine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Self-control. I I like this handout uh, I made. I I took a lot of this information from Guy Orbison's Galatians commentary. But these, these can be broken up into three categories of three. The first three are attitudes, the inner characteristics of love and joy and peace. Then actions, those things you do toward others, patience, kindness, goodness. Then the last three are association, that is relationships, faithfulness toward God, gentleness toward others, self-control, Toward self, and if you don't have self-control, you can't possibly do these others. You can't. All these things need to be growing in in tangent with one another, in tandem. I'm sorry, not tandem, tandem with one another. And so, these young men that Paul's writing to, they're living on an island of a culture that is just out of hand, kind of like ours, right? Kind of like ours. And so he's telling Titus, here's what. What they need to do, if they're going to live the Christian life, they need to look different than their current culture. Here's how they ought to look. Sensible, right? Sensible. Likewise, urge a young man to be sensible in all things, verse 7, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. All right. So the term sensible in verse 6 has many ramifications. But one might wonder why Paul's directions to young men are so short compared with other age groups. We are probably supposed to include the instructions to Titus, who are who was himself a young man, right? Because likewise young men to be sensible. In all things show your first heaven in all things show yourself to be an example of these things. So that's Titus. He's talking to Titus. So I think it's Titus was a young man. I think what he's saying for him applies to the young men. Does that make sense? He was himself a young man. So as we read 7 and 8, we're reminded again, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, where Timothy was told, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. So, like Timothy, Titus was to be an example And this would would serve a double purpose. It would give weight to his words and would also provide a living model regarding what he said. On the island of Crete, people needed to see what a follower of Christ looked like. And if you're, if you're new to, to this, if you didn't know, who would you look to? Well, you look to Titus, the, the preacher, right? The leader, the one who's leading you at this point. And so you look to him. Even Paul did this when he would tell uh, folks, imitate Christ as I also, Im, or, I'm sorry, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. I think he told that to the Corinthians. Forgive my forgetfulness there. So he's telling them to imitate himself, to imitate Paul. Paul's a good example Especially for us, because we are sinful people. He's also a sinful human. But Christ is the ultimate example. Paul's an example. Your mom and dad, if they're in Christ, they're examples. Will they have faults? Will they mess up? They sure will. But if they are striving to be, live like Christ, that's a good stepping stone. If the people on Crete are striving to uh, live the Christian life. Looking to Titus is a good example of that first stepstone, as they strive to be like Christ. And so he's that example. They needed to see what a follower of Christ looked like. So here it is. First, Titus was to be an example of good deeds, and that's going to be important. Good deeds. That word "good" describes that which is ethically good. Right noble, honorable. He was to be an example in what he did. His listeners would not take him seriously unless he was serious about living the Christian life. And this is going to be pretty important because later on, actually the opening of chapter 3, Paul writes, Remind them. So he's, writing, he's telling Titus, right? Remind them, the Cretans, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, to be subject to rulers... To authorities, to be obedient, and here's the next part: to be ready for every good deed. Every good deed, they ought to be ready for it, looking for ways to do these good deeds. Later on, he's going to say, "Where's that?" In verse 13, toward the very end, almost the very end there. Diligently help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. See there's a there's a good deed he's given them. And he even makes it obvious. Verse 14, our people Hello Christians on the island of Crete, our people, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs. So that they will not be unfruitful. And that's not talking about fruit as far as just the, well, I'll, I'll get to that when I get to that. I don't want to dive in. I'm going to get too far off track there. Let's, come, let's go back. Let's go back. So Titus is be an example of those good deeds to show how serious he was about living the Christian life so they could have that stepping stone. Further, he was to be an example of what he taught. With purity in doctrine, is that right? Purity in? with purity in doctrine, correct? Purity. Now, this is not the um, the usual word for pure we see in the in the Greek. It comes from a word uh, which testifies that something is free from corruption. Okay, biblical doctrine or teaching mixed with man made doctrine. Is impure. It is corrupt. It's corrupt. And so it needs to be purity in doctrine. So show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine. Be pure. Don't have that, don't, don't let man-made teachings come in there. It's all based on the word of Christ. Look, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Not by the word of Titus or the Word of Paul, but by the Word of Christ. So purity in doctrine, Titus, be a good example of good deeds. Also, in life and teaching, Titus was to be dignified. Ooh, Dignified. Now this word has appeared a few times before in, in this uh, series on, of study. It suggests living in such a way that people will respect us. Earlier in the chapter, older men. They were told to be dignified. Now, a young man is told the same thing. Likewise, right? Likewise? (laughs) There it is. Likewise, dignified. It's important. This is important, especially for Titus. Especially for the old men who are going to be, probably some of those are going to be the ones he's going to be picking. Probably. One of those, is a couple of those, he'll be picking out for elders. They ought to be dignified. Living in a way that people respect us. I have to do that. There's things that I would I would do in this life I would be more prone to do, but I avoid it so that I may be dignified. It's important. Some people think it's weird that I wear a suit all the time. I would wear a suit on Wednesday if I could get away with it, but our culture is of such a way that it, I'm not dignified in it on a Wednesday night. But Sundays... I wear my suit with a vest and a tie. I try to look dignified. I do my best in my teachings and in my attitude to be dignified. It's important. It is important. Finally, Titus was instructed to be sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. Now, sound in speech, logos, there is a in the hugie that's the two words, healthy words is what he's saying. Healthy words. And we have seen repeated references to sound doctrine or healthy teachings. But this phrase is more comprehensive, isn't it? Sound in speech. It included Titus's preaching and his teachings, but it also applied to everything else that came from his mouth. His words were to be wholesome and true. They should help and heal, not hurt and hinder, because they're all looking to him. He he is the example for them right now. It's all they know. They don't have a Bible. Paul is not there. They're gonna have this letter and they're gonna have Titus. Titus, you got a lot to do. Young man, you work at this too because one day you're going to be the older, the elder folks and you'll be elders within the church. Prepare yourself now. Older men, likewise, you've got to be this because you will be elders in the church. You are the leaders. Adorn the doctrine of God. Put it on and put it on the right way. Don't mix it. Don't make it impure with your own teachings and your own actions. You, not, you must die to self and live for Christ. Put on, adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. Okay. What else is Titus to do? Uh, well, what he's supposed to be sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, which is beyond reproach. That indicates something that, something that cannot be condemned Paul was not guaranteeing that Titus would never be criticized for what he said, but he was urging him to make sure any criticism would ultimately be found without substance. Without substance. Beyond reproach. People would be looking, and there's always going to be somebody. There's always going to be somebody looking. Looking. They may not. They may not even mean to be divisive or factious, but they will be. It happens to me. It's happening right now. I got. I got some who are pretty factious. They're always trying to find something, and I've given it to them at times. And it's not that I'm saying things are wrong. It's just that I'm not a scholar. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I speak off the cuff, I'll say something that may be a little silly, but it's no big deal. But they take it and they make it a big deal. Why would they do that? Because they want to tear me down. They want to create uh, friction. They are factious people. They don't know that, but they are. They want to create friction. What good is that? What good is that? If, you, if someone says something that might be a little silly and you decide to hone in on that rather than the good teachings that they gave, you hone in on one word, maybe they misspoke, and you wanted to do it in front of everybody rather than take them to the side. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? No, a, uh, not not Sapphira. I'm sorry. Um, Priscilla and Aquila, they took uh, Apollos to the side, not in front of everybody, to help him find the truth. And he found it, he listened Probably because they were kind and gentle. But what if, you, what if uh, somebody misspoke and someone pointed it out in front of everybody and was a, they, they used the wrong word? And so they harped on that. No matter how good the teaching was or what they were saying, they, they focused on that. Yeah, I mean, the teacher should have done better. I could have done a better job. But what if that was the focus? What does that tell you about the person? What do they want to do? They want to tear it down. They don't care how good or what that good things that person is doing. They just want to tear them down we've well, we got to be beyond reproach. That's a lot of work for a teacher. Think it through. I write things down. I try to stick to my script, you could say, because of people like that in the world. Titus was to guard his tongue, here it is, so that the opponent would be put to shame. The opponent might be anyone who opposed God's word. He would be put to shame when his accusations were shown to be false. And in the end Paul said critics would have nothing bad to say about us. He, his use of us is noteworthy. We might have expected Paul to say you, but Titus's words and his deeds reflected on Paul as well as himself. All on all inspired teachers and preachers and yes, on all Christians. We are again reminded why it is so important to adorn put on the doctrine everything we say or do, reflects positively or negatively on the Lord and upon his church. And we should note, we should note that the idea of adorning the doctrine does not mean that you and I are capable of making God's doctrine more beautiful. No, it is from God. His teaching is already lovely and beyond compare and beyond reproach. There is no way any one of us can improve on the golden rule or the chapter of love. In what what way then can we adorn the doctrine? We can help people understand biblical teaching and then appreciate its beauty as they see it put into practice in our own lives, right? That's right. Well, we're I, I want to spend this last minute, I want to start doing this toward at the end of my lessons rather than at the beginning. But I want to encourage you to go to our website www.nvcoc.net. Scroll down, you'll see the radio mic. That's for for this radio program. Click on that, and it's going to take you to our our page. That's got a list of all the all the programs for this radio, for redeeming the time. I'm going through. And I'm starting to title these things, and I'm putting them into playlists. And there's a playlist you can find called Titus, and it'll have this episode and all the other ones in order. I have Revelation already done. I'm planning on doing other books. I want to do as many books as I can before I die of the Bible on this radio program so that hopefully, Lord willing, you might find good use from this. I hope and I pray. And I believe you can make comments on these. I'll have more to say about that in future programs. But thank you for being here, and may you always redeem the time. Thank you, and God bless. Till the sinful world be won, for Jehovah's mighty Son, Ring ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.